0: Welcome to episode 44 of the Forward From 50 podcast, where we interview people over 50 who are pursuing new direction for their lives. It's an opportunity for men and women to tell their stories, their way, in their own words. I'm Greg Gerber, the founder of Forward From 50, and your host for today's show. Today I'm interviewing a U.S. Navy veteran from New Hampshire who uses his professional skills in rather unique ways, as well as his storytelling skills to connect with his children and other kids. When he was enlisted in the U.S. Navy, Richard Duhame was a diver working underwater to fix submarines. After leaving the military, he became a carpenter and helped raise his four children. When they started lives of their own, Richard returned to construction overseas as a carpenter with the U.S. Navy Reserves. After turning 50 and retiring from military service, he returned to the water as a commercial diver and eventually became a diving techniques instructor working at an underwater welding school. Still, he wanted to do more, so Richard began volunteering at a Christian summer camp. Eventually, he discovered work camping, where he lives in a 29-foot motorhome and travels around the country working short-term jobs for different employers. The work camping experiences allow him to spend extended periods of time near his children and grandchildren who are scattered across America. When visiting, he would take his grandchildren on adventures and, of course, make s'mores treats with them around the campfire. A natural storyteller, Richard enthralled his grandchildren with his stories and wrote a book to help them remember the good times they enjoyed together. To tell us how his life has changed after turning 50, please welcome Richard Duhame to the show. Thank you for joining me today, Richard. I really appreciate the time. So tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're from. I... Was born in New
1: Hampshire. Did 17 years there. Then joined the Navy, and then after that, it's hard to tell where I'm from. <laughs> you
0: do a lot of traveling.
1: I have traveled through the Navy, and then I traveled after I got out. And then I traveled with my children, and so my kids all claim they're from Maine, but not one was born there. They just like it the most. Okay, but yeah, I was in southern New Hampshire. Not not even a real fancy spot. Just a little country town. But once I left to go in the Navy after that, it was mostly Florida, Georgia, Connecticut, overseas, spread out everywhere.
0: New Hampshire and New England is a spectacular part of the country. I love visiting that area.
1: Yeah, it's wonderful this time of year. It's almost too late now. It's over now.
0: Yeah. And in the Navy, what did you do?
1: I started out as a photographer. And then within the first year or so, I applied to hard hat diving school. And so I became a Navy diver with the goal of being an underwater photographer. But they had told me there's a chance you'll never see a camera again, because once you're a diver, that new job trumps what you're used to be. So I, said, I can't be an underwater photographer without being a diver. So I went to school and I went through the years when we still did the big brass helmet and the big heavy shoes oh and my. all that stuff. But I never touched the camera again until right before I got out. They wanted to re and they offered it then. But by then, I just wanted to change the scenery. So I basically met some bolts diver fixing submarines from the outside.
0: That sounds like an exciting kind of job.
1: But the rest of the story is I took 18 years off raising kids, and being a dad, and did the 40-year midlife crisis. So I don't say very good. And I went back in the reserve. So I tried to be a diver again. And they were like, dude, everything you used to wear is now in the museum. You have to go to school again. (laughs) And I was like, I ain't going to do all that work again. So what else do you have? And I became a a Navy carpenter. Okay. So I was with the Seabees, the construction battalion, they call them Seabees. And I since retired from there and made a trip to Iraq and a trip to Afghanistan and Cause I was already a builder as a civilian. So they let me in with higher rank and everything. And when, uh, so I'm retired Navy now, and finally started getting paid and here I am.
0: How many children do you have? Four. Four. And they were
1: all born right in a row. So it's like 33, 32, 30 and 29. I think my youngest is 29.
0: But well, you got in the program.
1: Yeah. Once you it's, started. They are tied the together.
0: Six. Oh, that's fun. Are they all boys, girls? Two of each. Two my weeks. oldest one is the a girl
1: and the youngest is girl, and the boys are in the middle. But right now, only my daughters have grandkids, and my sons are bringing up the rear. No kids yet. Okay.
0: How many grandchildren do you have? Five. What did you start doing after you turned 50 that really made a difference in your life? I think I still worked
1: some more after 50. I was still a commercial diver, and then it slowly segued into being an instructor. And I worked at a uh, underwater welding school. Even though I didn't teach the welding, I would just teach like how to wear the helmet, how to be safe, how to come back again. And I slowly did less work and more managing. And then I slowly got to a point where I didn't need to work as many hours and started volunteering at a Christian summer camp and stuff like that. So I would do the camp all summer and then go make some more money and then come back again, like a big circle would go like that. And then as I got even older, then I turned more to the work camping jobs where I would go visit one of my daughters and stay for a few months and work at the zoo, drive the train or run the merry-go-round, or I'd go visit another daughter and take a job as a dishwasher or something, whatever I could do to stay in that town to visit grandchildren. That's a great opportunity. So you must own an RV? I do. I have a 27 foot. Class A motorhome, those are the ones that are flat in the front. They don't look like an ambulance. <laughs> well, I've had some older ones in the past, and this one is finally like, a, it's wonderful. I just drive wherever you want to go. You just point it and go.
0: What prompted you to get an RV? I came home from Afghanistan
1: and wasn't sure where to live and where to go next and went through a divorce, so it's, I didn't want to buy a home, and I didn't know which spot to go to start putting roots down. So I saw my children were spreading out pretty far. So I just went straight from the right to the motorhome. And haven't, I've been in one since I got home from Afghanistan in 2014.
0: I would imagine it's fun to live in a motorhome and move to a different place every now and again. I, I like it. I got that kind of gypsy spirit a little bit. If I ran away to join the
1: circus, I wouldn't even want to be one of the acts. I'll be the guy with a clipboard just to make sure enough hay is on the train. <laughs> I'd have been happy enough with that.
0: Tell everybody what Work Camping is.
1: Work Camping is an organization you could join. You pay $50 for the year, and then you get access to their website, and you have emails come every day and a list jobs, and, and it's just like Arizona. Montana, Oregon, and they'll just list a few jobs. And if it's something you're interested in, they help you get a resume. You just send it to them. And then usually it's incorporated like you live at the place you're getting a job and that's part of your salary is your lot fee. And then they give you some extra money too. And some don't give any money at all. It's just volunteer plus free housing. But I love that you just chase work around. And when it's done, you go to the next spot and do
0: it again you know for somebody like me who would like more variety in their life work camping sounds like it might be just the thing for me it's a way to finance your travel dreams because you can get paid or at least get uh, a free or greatly reduced rv spot
1: yeah the secret though is you really can't be really in debt because they're hiring like low rent workers they're not hiring managers like I talked to one owner of a campground and he goes, the problem with you work campers is you're all, think you're bosses (laughs) because our whole career, we've been in charge of something. And now we get there and you're the lowest new guy to go clean the pool or go mow or go, go paint something. And when a lot of work campers want to come and point the finger of what to do next versus be the one doing what's next. So the secret to really succeeding in work camping is to have your budget under in line where you could, afford to make less. Are you still diving? No. I still have access to, I still substitute teach at a, an underwater welding school, but I haven't doled for pay since I was, I think, 55. There's a point where they just put you out the pasture. This isn't scuba diving with a tank on your back. This is more like a fiberglass helmet and a hose, and you're up under container ships or up cleaning for oil tankers. And so they really want the 20-year-old fresh blood. <laughs> There's only so many managers they need. So at some point you either move careers or teach, you know.
0: So your income right now is basically from work camping and perhaps social security?
1: It's just starting, I just turned 62 and I wasn't going to wait. I was like, so my income is social security just starting next month, work camping, which is, keeps you going and also have the Navy return.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Navy retiree. That would be a pretty decent income.
1: The way the reserves do it is you don't get it until you're sixty. So, like the average person that retires from the Navy get it the next month, like the younger guys mm-hmm. that do 20 years active duty. But when you retire from the reserves, they make you wait till you're 60. But during all these wars in the Middle East, they had to bribe us older guys. So <laughs> every time you went to war, they knocked time off the 60. So I, I was able to get it in late 50s. So I've been getting this money for a little while now. Okay. Pretty nice. What's coming short of the government shutdown or something, every month you're going to see that number in your bank.
0: What was your favorite work camping job?
1: I think the one I liked the most was in the zoo where I could, my grandkids had a season pass. My daughter would just come every morning and I would be like, like, well, you're either going to be at the petting zoo, you're going to be at the merry-go-round, you're going to be at the train or where the kangaroos are hanging out. She would just come with her little boys and stay for an hour and a half or whatever. Sometimes closer to lunch, we'd eat together and then they'd leave. But I didn't actually get that job through work camping. I call it work camping because I was camping and working. But I found that one just went online and applied. A lot of jobs, you could just go and apply. The best work camping job, far as making money that I do is, for the last two years, I've did the sugar beet harvest in northern Minnesota. And that one there, you can make a, like $5,000 in two weeks. Really? But it's 12-hour days and they're really <laughs> long days and you're out in the wind and you're out in the cold and but when it ends, it visibly ends and you get a bonus at the end if you stay and, you know, I think this year I might've made even more like six thousand, sixty five hundred in, in 19 days. Wow. So, yeah, that I is- just got my little bonus this week and. When they take out the taxes and everything's all done, you say, I'm not going to have to look at this again. So you like traveling? I do. I like it. I like it. But I like to, I don't like traveling just for the sake of traveling. I like traveling to go see somebody, whether it's friends or like this kid's camp I help a lot with. I can go back and visit with them or my children. But the people that have the money that just go to Montana or go to Yellowstone or go to Grand Canyon. I don't have the luxury yet of just going for fun, but going to work still. Well,
0: it sounds like a fun opportunity to work at a kid's camp. What did you do there?
1: I am mainly the carpenter. And then you help with canoeing and you help with swimming and you help with storytelling at the campfire and you help with whatever they might be doing there. You go into chapel and there's Bible stories. So you pretty much, everybody helps with everybody's thing, but you have one main job. If it isn't made of wood, they won't call me to go fix it. Like (laughs) somebody else would do the plumbing and electrical and things like that. And it's just a great way to be with friends and still be a part of something bigger than yourself.
0: Do you get an opportunity to interact with the kids and be like a grandpa? Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. A lot of times if they don't have enough counselors, I had to go through the background check and everything. And so I might get assigned 10 little boys that, that would be in the cabin that I would manage for that. And then, but it, uh, most of the time, the churches bring their own leaders, and we just host them.
0: Okay. And but well, it is
1: fun. They, you do the story time. You sit with them for meals, and your swimming time. So you really do intersect with, bisect with the kids a lot. So that part helps me. I, I enjoy that.
0: Where is that camp located? It's in East Texas. It's not too
1: far from Lovkin, like maybe a half hour from Lovkin on Lake Sam Rayburn.
0: Okay. Do you stay in a different part of the country in the warmer months and just go into a different part for the spring and summer? I have been in
1: Maine all the way to Christmas just just a few years ago. I know. It was good money, though. I was working on a lobster boat. and They were paying so much I had to just stay. But that is not usually where I want to be that late in the season. So I try to leave the colder weather as it gets colder and stay where it's warmer in the winters. But even in the summer, the furthest north, I guess South Dakota's pretty far. That's where I was last year. And then from South Dakota, I went to the Sugar beets, then back down here. Soon as it ended, I took off, back down. Where will you be this winter? I'm here at this kid's camp. I'm splitting my time with the camp and a KOA. I'm going to be the carpenter for this KO. uh, KO. And so my motorhome's actually at the KOA campground, and I'm helping with the yard and helping with help people sell fire, whatever they might need. And then my two or three days off a week, I'll come do carpentry at the camp. I don't have a lot of days off, but I have a lot of two, two good options to keep busy.
0: I'm surprised the camp is still open this time of year. The KOA or the kids' camp?
1: Oh, it's not,
0: mainly. They
1: do some weekend retreats where okay. churches could come and bring a group. But mainly, this is when we do the carpentry and the <laughs> bigger job.
0: You're get, you're taking care of all the problems that were created by the kids in the summer and then getting ready for the next year's crop.
1: Exactly. <laughs> the hardest part with these kids' camps is getting the teenage help because they're all so independent. Everybody wants to... It's hard to motivate somebody to come work for free, so... Our campus succeeds by a lot of teenagers helping out, making the light, the load lighter.
0: What kind of rewards have you received from doing all of this kind of traveling and working short term jobs? I think
1: the best part is just when my daughters call and they're like, like they want to show me their grandchildren want to show me the newest thing they did or show me their Christmas tree or show me what they colored last. Because they have a real relationship with me because I've been there for two or three months. And then my other daughter and I helped them build a home so they know me. Versus some grandparents, they don't really know their grandkids as much as they wish they did because they are still having to work. Or we call it in the industry, sticks and bricks houses. When you have a stick and brick house, you're committed to keeping it up. But in our case, with the mobile homes, the campers and RVs, you can... Be real close to your grandkid let you chase them around.
0: There is a saying that you can't have impact without contact, and I think that is very yeah. important for grandparents. Yeah, now, How often do you get to see your grandkids? Now there's. You only have two. I sons, see them like right?
1: almost twice a year, almost twice a year. So one of them I'll live with for a while, and then the other one I might live near. And then at Christmas, we usually try to get an Airbnb or something in between somewhere and everybody comes and the boys come and everybody, all the wives and husbands. And so I say I see my grandkids twice a year, but one of them is usually longer than not.
0: I understand that you have a passion for helping grandparents develop closer relationships to their grandkids. In fact, you've even written a book about it. Tell us about that.
1: That is my goal. I I uh, wrote a children's book uh, called Grandpa's S'mores Mobile, and basically, it's my five grandkids and me, and it's Grandpa's motorhome is compared to the turtle shell on his back, or the covered wagon that the that they use, the settlers use, or a mini submarine that the guys go underwater. Grandpa's motorhome is compared to all these things, and so mainly, I wrote it. For my grandkids to read with their parents and be, and they can talk about me and be remembering me. Oh, I remember, remember when you guys did this or something. So this year, I got it printed and I made a few from my own family and everybody's, you need to get get this out to more. So I sold some and I'm actively trying to sell them now. Grandpa's s'mores will be a it's, it's hilarious. It is. And I made a little color. I didn't really do it. My artist did it. But he made a coloring book to go with the book so the kids can read the book and then color it later, that type of thing.
0: And these are some things about activities that you would typically do with your grandkids, such as having a popsicle. Yes. Time.
1: Yep. Or, yep. Making and sp- or going to the beach or going fishing or leaping in the hand. Basically, it was the places I just, I had this vision of my daughters. you remember when you guys all went to the circus? So Do you remember when we went to the fair? Or do you remember when? And and then as the kids could tell the story of what we did. And that's the dream is that other grandparents would catch the vision and, and buy it for their grandkids spiral downhill. There's even, so I keep teasing on Facebook that it's stocking stuff for season now.
0: There's even some faith-based material in the book as well, talking about uh, the need for God.
1: Yeah, just that one. That, like I tried to Grandpa's motorhome was compared to the local church. Well, you go to church to be with like-minded believers, but when you're home during the week, then your church is where you are. And so you read Mm -hmm. your Bible, you pray, you listen, and you worship from your motorhome. And that's what I was basically trying to get my kids to, my children do it already, but now we've got to get their children to have a personal relationship with Jesus that way also. I agree.
0: If you had to start your life over again, is there anything you'd do differently?
1: When I asked my father this, he said, I would have married your mother sooner. And I was like, oh, <laughs> she was 21. I said, oh, she was 21. That was pretty early already. And then my dad went on to say that he wished she was a carpenter and not a mechanic. And I'm like, well, why didn't you just be one? And he said, I couldn't take the risk. I couldn't take mm-hmm. the risk of I had you kids to feed. I had, you know, I had a life. I had a job. I couldn't be but I needed my life. I hated my job. I wished I was something else. And then the poor guy dies at 51. And I'm like, oh, man, that's horrible. So he never really had that job satisfaction. As far as what I would do differently, sometimes I wish I had the homestead where this is the house and all the five grandkids could visit here too, mm-hmm. where I don't have any roots where, you know, the my roots, is like a once you're down the road, you're in the rearview mirror already. It's almost like that. Right. I think uh, a little bit of uh, roots also is good too.
0: I do. But I also like your approach, Richard, because you're going to spend time with your grandkids for an extended period. So it's not just a long weekend or a week, but you're there for a couple of weeks or a month or even a couple of months. And you can yeah. they can really get to know you at that point, and you can really get to know them. So I like your approach as well.
1: Yeah, it's both ways work because I have friends at Maine. Everybody in Maine in this little town is going to work on the ocean. And so everybody get out of high school. They got lobster boats. They stay home. And I have a friend, my friend with the children's camp. Her grandkids are here too. So she's got the grandkids are here. My friends in Maine see their grandkids. They go to the baseball game. So that part I miss of being on the road. But I do because my kids aren't in one spot. So that was why I did this. Right now there's Arizona, Tennessee. In South Dakota, my four are spread out in those states.
0: That's the other thing I was going to say, because the kids are typically scattered everywhere. My grandkids are in Wisconsin, Illinois, and Texas. So to have a motor home to be able to spend time with each of them and have your own place to go back to so you're not a burden on them, I think that's a a really good thing.
1: I think it helps them, too, where they can still parent if I'm sitting at the tables and I'm watching the meltdown or something, and then they have to feel hyper vigilant to solve this meltdown, where I think just give them some room. Every kid has a meltdown. And I try not to make them feel uneasy, but I know that it's part of it too. But
0: it's all good. It's fun. It was sad to hear about your dad and his story that he had a dream from many years ago that he wanted to be a carpenter. Yes. And that's
1: why I like it. my little children's book I wrote. The dedication was, you know, to, basically to my parents to teach us to follow your dreams because my mother retired at 65 and died the next month. And I'm like, dang. So she died and he never saw retirement. He died at 51. She died at 65. And I'm like, man, they wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. They wanted to go to Yellowstone. They wanted a motor home. And all she would say is We're big I went with big windows. I want one with big windows. Mm -hmm. And never got a chance to do any of it. So I
0: guess my advice to anyone is don't procrastinate, but live your life now. I agree. That would be very important and tragic. And it happens more often than we are led to believe, to be honest.
1: Because we think we need to leave a lot of money to our kids and all my kids are doing fine. They don't need my inheritance. They're going to get one, but they're not living and dying, waiting for it. They live, (laughs) but they're going to be fine. We raised them right; they're doing good. And so I think a lot of us, as adults, as we get older, we're worried about the future. Hey, just let it happen. Just, and especially with the world so crazy nowadays, I'm not waiting for anything. I'm going to
0: do things now because we don't know how much longer this whole thing's going to happen. Exactly. That's another good point, though, Richard. Is that a lot of grandparents feel they have to leave their kids money for an inheritance, and the money is gone within a year of receiving it. Whereas yeah. they can have a leg, leave a legacy for their grandkids and their children by spending time with them and teaching them. Exactly. The- we all learn lessons the hard way, right? So, right. You learned a lesson from your parents about the need to do it now because someday right. may never come. And for them, it's so no. it didn't. Yep. and I, when I, Never want to tell my kids,
1: well, I wish I would have done this. I hope that they see a guy that did what he felt he should like. He just chased his dreams or did it. But I'm glad you used the word legacy. Cause that was on my, uh, in my little notes before we started this talk, as a lot of us think it's inheritance, that's economic, that's money, mm-hmm. monetary, but. The, the legacy we leave is that's the one that matter.
0: I agree. So do you have any advice for grandparents on how to be have those better relationships with their grandkids?
1: I would say to not preach at your adult kids, but to answer all their questions. Like a lot of times we're like, oh, we got to fix all the mistakes we made growing, raising them. I can correct them all. But it's of your kids are fine. They're good. They're succeeding. They're doing good. But don't feel you need to keep preaching at them, but just answer their questions if they come up. Dad, what about this? I would have probably took a right, not a left. But you don't need to keep preaching. They're succeeding. They're already doing good. And uh, that was my main thing. And then just the idea that spending the time now, not not wishing you like later in the deathbed, or I always think of a stroke. Well, yeah, horrible. That would be that you can't think clear and you can't communicate what you're thinking. And it's, oh my gosh, I want to do everything now. So that... Those days don't. Call. Do you have any? Oh well.
0: Are there any things that remain on your bucket list that you'd still like to do someday?
1: Someday I want to go to that hot air balloon show in Albuquerque every mm-hmm. October. Okay, but last two years I've been working at that silly sugar beet factory, <laughs> and that's the same season. So eventually, every year they ask me, "Are you coming back next year?" And I'm like, "No." One of these days, I'm going to the hot air balloon show. And I just want to get up in the morning, drink coffee, and stare at the balloons as they fill up. And then in the evening, they do that big glow and they're all pumping air. And I'm like, I just want to chill out like that. I don't want to work. I don't want to be part. Because I tried to get a job there, And they're like, dude, we have 1,200 volunteers. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I wanted to work and get paid. And they're like, nobody gets paid. We all volunteer because they just love the hot air balloon.
0: Great. But uh, I know several people who were there this year. And they had the. It was a great year. Last <laughs>
1: year, I guess the weather was bad and it was windy and the balloons couldn't fill up. And, but this year, it was like in the 50s and sunny and perfect. I lived in so. New
0: Mexico for a number of years in the 1980s. And my wife and I got up to Albuquerque for the balloon fiesta once. And there might have been 100 balloons there. And I thought it was just fabulous. I guess there are over a thousand of them this year. And it just, yeah, it's just beautiful. And they're going up all day long. Every day, there's something else going on there. So the happening Yeah, Hope you get up there someday. That'd be fun. Are there yep. any, any other questions?
1: Well, no- I'd like to do that. Everything else I do just in, by nature of happening.
0: Have you learned any new skills in, after turning 50?
1: New skills. When I was younger, raising kids, I made the comment once that I wanted to learn how to do stained glass window when I retired. And that Christmas, I got a stained glass gift certificate for lessons.
0: Oh, that some part
1: of art. yet. <laughs> but I would like to learn, I would like to revive that little hobby. I've only made a couple so far, and I don't even have all the tools anymore, but I would like to revive that someday. What do you like about stained
0: glass? That sounds like an interesting I don't know. hobby. I think
1: I just like the, the history of it, that it was in the churches back in the old days. I just I made a butterfly and I made a lobster boat. I don't think I've made too many more. I just basically did the class, did the lessons. And then I went back in the trunk until I could retire. But now I'm finally getting, I'm slowing down enough that I might be able to, between that and writing these little kids books, we, I can see a sequel of the future.
0: I, would have, I was just going to ask that, if there were any other books that you'd plan to write, if not with the Grandpa S'mores Mobile theme, but any other kinds of things that you would like to share with others.
1: When I teach uh, at the little kids camp, I usually tell a missionary story about a guy who goes around on a sailboat. They get in all these adventures. And so that's my campfire story theme is a guy named Marty McMission. Right now, I'm just going to chase these little grandpa stories for a little longer and see what other adventures they could get into.
0: Someday, we'll see. Richard, that is a lost art is storytelling, so that you can come up with these stories in your imagination that are just, you're unlimited. You can have them do anything and go anywhere and experience everything. And so, I just I love that you're doing that. It's part of the verbal tradition, and it'd be nice to see you do that in the written tradition, putting in uh, books. One of the little kids, when I first started telling these modern, the missionary stories, he's like, "When
1: you tell those stories, I feel like I'm in there. I'm <laughs> in the. We're all on the same mission, doing this together." And I'm like, That's "Exactly what I'm trying to do." But the kid just thought it was hilarious. And then this camp in Texas, one year, the kid's like, that story you told, I'm going to write a video game about that. And I am <laughs> like, dude, if you do, you can keep all the royalties
0: you deserve. But it. it was just. Have you ever served as a missionary anywhere?
1: Yes. So I was in Ethiopia for a year in a tent back when it was still communist. And then I'd been to India and I'd been to Namibia and I'd been to Central America, two or three places. Dominican republic but a lot of these were just like two weeks here two weeks there but ethiopia was the one year and then the india was two months and another part of africa was a couple months but those trips i went with the naming iraq and afghanistan it was almost the same thing just a different day but i do that kind of stuff
0: would you ever consider doing that again long term
1: yeah I, I, the hard part now was countries giving visas and getting into there between the vaccines and all this other, right, the rigmarole you have to get through to get there. And I was teasing a lady at the store yesterday. I could tell she was from India, an older woman, and uh, she was from Mumbai, and I was opposite corner where I was. But I told her, my visa's still good. I could go back. But I think as time is getting closer, some of these countries are just going there. I could like in India's case, they want only Hindu. They don't want they don't want the influence the Christian bring. And who knows
0: what the Middle East is going to look like after all this. Exactly. But you do have a skill that is in demand and that is carpentry and that can be used anywhere around the world and building things and things like that. So I would think that using that skill, you'd be able to get into a lot of missionary positions if they were made available to you.
1: That's pretty much how I got there the first time is I was in college and was going in debt, didn't want to keep spending money. And then the mission group asked me to come to Africa because Ethiopia switched to communists and they were picking missionaries out unless they were doing development work. So because I was a carpenter, the missionaries could stay and basically they were on my shirt tails, so I could do building, they could do their job. Mm -hmm. But the problem with a lot of mission work is I didn't finish college. So now that you ask, what would I do differently in life? I would finish college, even if it's just to get that degree. Cause a lot of countries, their attitude is we have laborers. We need leaders, we need managers. So they write away almost instantly. in the visa paperwork is what is your degree? And to stay any time, like even a year, you could do that usually, but you can't stay longer without a degree in a lot of these countries. What would you go back to school and get a degree in? Last time I went back to school, it was early childhood, Ed, because I wanted to be able to put it in my my little bio when I was writing kids' books, but probably more education, something, because like we go over and try to be a doctor and everything, but a lot of times all they really need is clean water. They need clean san- the sanitation to be out of the drinking water. So if you could do something that educates in preventative medicine versus just uh High tech medicine we usually
0: bring over there that's a good point. Many seasoned citizens can take college courses at discounted rates at our age yeah. and so I'd encourage you to consider that at some point, going back to school its
1: maybe i will i've it. I've been in one place long enough that I could take advantage of that because mm-hmm. like now I'll be here till next summer i'm in this region I'm not leaving till it's time to run around some more, but I didn't really think of it. But I know in my past, I used to say, I finish school if you're there, don't go back. People tell me they need to take a year off to get their head together. And I'm like, they're not going to make it, but they're not going to go back. They just almost, most of the time, you don't go back if you leave.
0: Right. Do you have any advice for people over 50 on how to identify or pursue their passions?
1: I would say
0: start with a yellow
1: pad. And make a list of what you think, what your passions are, and then just make little manageable goals of how to start chasing some of them. And then, but it starts with putting it on paper. It's, although if you just do it daydreaming, you won't even remember the next day what you thought of. But once it's in a list, then your list can be checked off. So it's like that movie, the bucket list idea, mm-hmm. but it has to start somewhere. Because even like last night, I was, you know, I haven't sold as many books lately or did, it has gone down. That's the newness of it. And I'm like, oh, maybe. And then all of a sudden, I started thinking of things I could do. It's all, the snowbirds are in Arizona and Florida. And then next spring, the campgrounds are going to open. So it gets you, making a list makes
0: you think ahead better. It helps you to plan. Mm-hmm. But That's neat. Very good advice. How could people connect with you if they wanted to? The best way to connect with me is email and my email is
1: working diver at yahoo.com it's w-o-r-k-n-e-i-v-e-r working at yahoo.com because i can't really be on the phone network but once i connect with you then we could do phone numbers but if you want to see my little kiss book that one is www.moresmobile.net smoresmobile.net Somebody had .com. I'm like, how do they have that? They helped me pick a different name, but smoresmobile.net. And then if you were like a gift shop and you wanted to buy some plural, then try to connect with me. And there's cheaper prices than on the one one book at a time. It's all my website set up for now. It's like one, one, one. But I have the ability to invoice if somebody wanted a,
0: a small handful. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing your story today with us. I appreciate it. And it just sounds so much fun to hear what you're doing by traveling around the country and doing the short-term jobs. And I wish you the best of luck in 2024 and with your writing. Next time I'm in Arizona, I'll look you up. That's a deal. Thank you again for sharing your story. I enjoyed speaking with Richard Duhame. He is a natural storyteller for sure. As a work camper, he uses those same storytelling skills to pique the interest of young campers at a Christian campground where he volunteers his time. But he also works other jobs that his grandchildren would consider to be fun places to visit. For example, he worked at a zoo where he drove a train and operated a merry-go-round. However, Richard also worked at jobs where he could make some good money relatively quickly. He helped harvest beets in Minnesota during the fall and even worked on a lobster boat in Maine for a while. He also looks for jobs where he can utilize his carpentry skills at businesses, like campgrounds. It was his passion for spending time with his grandchildren that led Richard to write a book about his adventures on the road and with his kids. Titled Grandpa's Mobile. he wrote the books and hoped his children would read it to his grandchildren so they would always remember the fun things they did together. At the urging of his family, Richard hired an illustrator to create colorful images, and the designer even developed a coloring book so kids could create their own drawings based on the book. There is a faith-based component to the book reminding kids they need a personal relationship with Jesus. What I liked most about Richard's story was that he was pursuing his dream of travel and adventure now while he was still young enough to enjoy the experiences. His father died at 51, and his mother died the month after she retired at age 65. Both of his parents dreamed of doing things someday but never saw those dreams fulfilled. That's why Richard keeps adding experiences he'd like to try to his own adventure list. Someday he wants to learn how to create stained glass designs as well as volunteer at the Albuquerque Balloon Fiesta. He also wants to keep writing, which is a way Richard can keep his stories alive for generations to come. People can connect with Richard by emailing him at workanddiver at yahoo.com. To check out or order his children's book, grandpa's s'mores mobile visit www.s'moresmobile.net that's all i have for this week's show if you'd like help in identifying a purpose for your life or to get help planning your next steps i'm offering a complimentary brainstorming session to members of the forward from 50 facebook community for details connect with me on facebook or visit www.forwardfrom50.com i'll have another inspirational interview on the next episode of the Forward from 50 podcast. Thanks for listening. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review wherever you download the episodes.